What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined to my right by Rachel Mogan. How's it going? And joined as our special guest, Andrew Aversa. How's it going, Andrew? Hey, very good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome Awesome to have you here. Uh, we're going to be talking today with Andrew about his upcoming game, Tangle Deep, as well as some of his uh, musical composing that he's done in the past under the name Zircon. So... Uh, we'll be getting to that in a minute. But before we do, in case you did not know, Team Chat Podcast is a video game podcast where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. If you get in contact with us, you can do that by sending us an email at teamchatpodcast at gmail.com, following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube and iTunes channels. If you want to support the show, you can do that too by going to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, and in return, we'll give you a cool perk like getting the episode early before its general Tuesday release. And now we did have a winner of the song contest this week. Uh, Zach gave us the hint last week of Be Quiet and Listen. And Andrew Mogan, Bro Mogan, correctly guessed the song as from Metal Gear Solid 5. We're always in collusion, me and that one. It seems to yeah, be. Yeah, we're just always cheating. Yeah, <laughs> it's <kidding>. either <laughs> Andrew Mogan or Brandon Weaver getting those right answers all the time. But So stick around to the end of this episode where I'll be giving a hint for the song contest for this week. All right, Andrew. So it's uh, really great to have you on the show with us today uh, because you are currently in development of your fir- first video game, correct? Tangle Deep. That's right. Yep. Awesome. So, uh, so I guess first, before we really get into it, uh, just you know, tell us about your your background. You know, why'd you get into developing a game? Why'd you get into or composing mu- video game music? And just kind of you know, your interest in where your interest in gaming came from in the first place. Uh, like like many people, um, I. Really enjoyed the uh, the days of the NES and the Super Nintendo. Uh, quite fondly growing up, you know, we'd see uh, friends of mine on the playgrounds, you know, talking about, oh, you played a Super Mario RPG or Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy three. Of course, at the time we thought there were only it's like one, two, three, and that was it <laughs> um, instead of six. But uh, so pretty much it, one of one of my earliest memories was actually uh, watching. A, friend's older brother playing uh chrono trigger uh so i'm i'm 30 so the nes for me was um it was definitely more the super nintendo first that was like the thing when i was that, that's the thing that was we were all talking about sort of growing up um and uh you know i was always interested in the fantasy and science fiction books and, and that type of thing so i was very drawn to the kind of games that were coming out on super nintendo and also uh pc and so I became a gamer, and I've, I've been a gamer ever since um, those days. Uh, definitely, uh, the the 16-bit era is very nostalgic for me. But um, you know, I've been I, I've definitely been playing ever since uh, PC stuff as well. You know, the Diablo series, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, all that good stuff. Nice. Um, sort of well, not not as much in the sort of the PS3 360 era. That was around when I was in college. Like less free time there, um, but. At the same time, I always had a really strong uh, connection to the music of a lot of these games. And uh, another distinct memory from childhood was uh, I rented Final Fantasy Mystic Quest from the video store. <laughs> and that game gets a lot of hate. Uh, a lot of hate. <laughs> and honestly, looking, looking, if you play it now, it really does not hold up. Uh, I don't know if it held up back then. Because people say it's really simple and it's too easy. But I was like eight. So I was like, this is great. This is perfect. <laughs> you know, the difficulty level is just right. But the music is just, it just kicks ass. The music is so good for that game. And I remember being so excited at like the battle themes and the boss themes that uh, 
I was just kind of like humming them afterwards and trying to play them on the piano. Because uh, at, the, at the time, I'd started taking piano lessons. Again, you know, my parents had me try different things, you know, play soccer, play basketball, piano lessons, and all like that. So piano stuck. Um, and so, again, just some of my earliest memories of stuff that I really enjoyed listening to is video game music. Um, and the same went for games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy and all that. So, uh, you know, about... Seven or eight years later, I'm going into high school, uh, still kind of keeping up with the piano, still playing games. Um, a friend of mine brought over a music-making program for the computer, and he's like, hey, you want to try making some stuff, you know, put some beats together or remake some tracks? And uh, I really fell in love with that. And the first thing I wanted to do was, like, remix video game music because I had that connection to it. And so that was pretty much the start of the, uh, the music thing for me. Uh, so I went from the gaming and playing music unrelated to gaming to uh, doing the game remixes. And that's when uh, Zircon, when I started that being Zircon the artist. And so uh, it's kind of ever since then, I've been do, uh, releasing music inspired by games, uh, remixes, and game soundtracks sort of building up from a, as a hobbyist all the way up to a professional. And then just in the last, I guess at this point, it's been a little over a year, that's when I really became interested in making a game. And uh, that's where we are today with Tangled Leap. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So for the viewers who don't know what your project is, would you mind just giving everyone a brief synopsis of what Tangled Deep actually is in terms of a gameplay experience? Yeah, the, the elevator pitch that, I, that I've uh, come up with is, uh, imagine if Squaresoft, back in the Super Nintendo days, made a dungeon crawler. And that's basically what I'm going for with that. So the, the sort of the beautiful 16-bit pixel aesthetic of games like, you know, Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, mixed with the randomly generated stuff uh, from a lot of dungeon crawlers, whether you know that from, like, the Mystery Dungeon series or the Diablo series or kind of more hardcore roguelike games on PC, like the ASCII text stuff, uh, takes those elements, too, and combines them. So um, it's supposed to be... Uh, more accessible, maybe, than than your average roguelike game on PC that can be very difficult, very hard to get into because of the graphics. So we really want to make the game uh, very accessible and have these familiar elements like a job system. Uh, it's the kind of stuff that you saw back in the back in the day, and they still do that to some to some degree. And uh, you know, lots of uh, cool characters. You know, it's, there's no like elves and dwarves and stuff. It's all sort of new uh, new things. And uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the quick summary of it. Yeah, I can definitely see at least some of the inspiration, especially in terms of Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana. Uh, I, of course, as one of the backers, got one of the uh, beta keys to play it on Steam for the beta. And when I immediately booted it up, I was like, oh, this reminds me of Golden Sun. This reminds me of the 16-bit error. It, it brought up early Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger exactly, especially in terms of the sound. Uh, Jared and I are both huge fans of video game soundtracks. It's one of the things that everyone on the podcast really has in common we get really excited we about do. it we've done like we three can. episodes so far that are purely based just on video game soundtracks so i mean this is a pretty big deal for us to have a composer on so yeah you know is, we're excited about that uh, it's interesting though that you bring up the accessibility of it because i feel like with a lot of other modern games especially from the ps3 and ps4 era i don't necessarily want to say that they've been dumbed down per se but when i started the beta for tangle deep i was like oh man i have to read so much <laughs> i was like i 
felt but like I, I liked that though. I know, yeah, I got really into it, but I felt like we had been really spoiled and like, oh no, you can just boot up the game and immediately start playing. And I was like, oh no, I have to think about how I'm actually going to play it and pick my character very uh, intentionally. So it was definitely a callback to how I would have grown up playing games versus now being just able to. Uh, uh, very sort of jump right into things without having to actually learn how to play correctly <laughs> or even with any amount of skill. So it was really interesting. Yeah, same. Yeah, but yeah same for me. That's something that um, I think you're right. Like a lot of modern games uh, have. Well, it was interesting because sometimes they there there are definitely some games, especially with with Steam and, and the proliferation of like the the very niche games. Like you know, if you want to play a you know, a ridiculously accurate farming simulator. Like you can do that with super <laughs> the deep stats on like everything on the on the farm. You can do that, and uh, or like a train simulator or whatever. Uh, but I agree that you know there there are a lot of of games where people have this expectation like, oh, my health doesn't regenerate. Like I can't just stand around and <laughs> have regenerating health. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot of beauty to the to the old mechanics. Like you can make something that's simple. But not uh, not easy, you know. Something that's that's maybe easy, uh, simple to learn, but still have depth to it. Uh, it's possible to put depth in for the sake of depth. Like you can uh, have a million skill trees and uh, different things to put stats into uh, every level and systems and subsystems. With Tangle Leap, I want to try to focus it a little bit on you know the character jobs and just like in games like Final Fantasy V and Tactics, sort of the fun of it is, you know, what, what job do I want for my character or characters in those games? And how can I combine them in, in sort of fun ways? So each job, you know, should be, uh, you should be able to understand what it does. And, and the fun comes in how you sort of combine the things. So uh, going for that accessibility, you know, we want it to be like pretty, pretty simple that you can at least understand it relatively quickly. But then once you start realizing, oh man, there's like, at this point, there's nine jobs. There's going to be twelve. Like oh, okay. all the combinations wow. that I could have. Like okay, that's that's where I want the the real sort of the spark to go off. Like oh man, what if I combine like this and this? That could be fun. Oh, that would be really. That fun. would be awesome. So, which class did you start with when you played the beta? Uh, I believe the hunter, the the bow and arrow. Oh, okay, good choice. I started with the Hussein, the Hussein. I'm actually oh, not yeah. sure how to pronounce it, but I was like, she looks cool. That's the one I want to be. <laughs> and it was hard. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's I'm hard. It's yeah, hard. Uh, yeah, I also played the version that's the uh, standard one where you have permadeath. Did not really take that whole system fully into account. Was not banking my <laughs> items. Was not going back to town. I was like, I'll be fine. <laughs> so I just kept going. And then I got killed and it was permadeath. And I was like, oh man, this is really hard. Be smart. I know it was quite a wake up call. <laughs> I, I and just in the in the bit that I played of it as well, like I really enjoyed uh, the, the the when I originally saw that it was a turn when it, it said in the description that it was a turn based uh, turn based game. I was thinking, oh okay, so it's like you know I'll do all my moves and then the enemies will do all their moves. But it was really interesting how you took it where it's the enemy only moves when you move or or various things like that. So like it, it threw in this whole dy- different dynamic to it that I thought was it, it was a different way of approaching it that I hadn't necessarily run into. I haven't played as many dungeon crawlers. Like m- the majority of my experience with dungeon crawlers has come from the Diablo series, which is sure. everything's happening all at the same time and it's and it yeah. gets crazy and hectic. But this one I I love the I like I'm a huge fan though of turn-based strategy games like Civilization and things like that. So it was a fun uh incorporation of the of the two styles into the into one and i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed too the the being able especially since i was a a ranged hero 
that mm-hmm. I was able to shoot at somebody a couple times with an arrow, damage them, and then switch over to my sword and then cut them down really quick when they got close into range. So I, I just liked the uh, the flexibility that I had uh, yeah. in my character as well. So it was really, really well done in that regard, I thought. All I know is I had my hotkey number two set to the lightning move, and I was like, that's all I'm going to do the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> it saved me right up until I ran out of my recharge. That was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that is really impressive to both of us, especially with this game being made almost primarily by you alone. Uh, You're helped by a few artists, is that correct? Yeah, there's three freelance artists. Uh, One guy is doing all the environmental art, basically the the towns, the the tiles for the dungeon, and the user interface. And then there's the second person does all the uh, characters, the, the battle effects, like the sword slashes and fire bursts. And then the third person does all the items, uh, oh. so it's split between those three. Gotcha. So who or where would you really say so much of the diversity and detail in the items and characters comes from? Is that a collaborative process between everyone involved, or do you more or less say, this is what we're going for, and then it's kind of a built-out process from there? How would you say you go about approaching that level of depth? That's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I think... I'm in a way I'm the art director for the game. I'm not an artist. I I want to be very clear. I'm not an artist. (laughs) Like I can't do any pixel art at all. In fact, in the discord chat for the game, we have a couple um, emotes that you can do. And one of them is like a face, a pixel art face I drew. And it's just like laughably bad. (laughs) (laughs) We just threw that in there for fun. So people can just use that anytime. Um, So I, I, in a way, like I try to direct the sort of the theme and the reference for certain pieces of art. So if I, you know, I might say like uh, for the characters, I'll say, you know, for the for the gambler uh, character, I wanted that to look sort of like a, a turn of the century, um, like old timey gambler, but also with these like elements of uh, stuff like Setzer from Final Fantasy VI and and. Uh, you know, the color scheme and the general, like, what might they be wearing? What might they be holding? I said, you know, they should be holding a deck of cards, maybe, and, like, fanning it out. So I'd say that, but then the, you know, the character artist would take that, and then he'd synthesize those things and create something. Oftentimes, it's, like, way better than what I have in mind. <laughs> but he'd use those core elements. So it's definitely collaborative. Um, I'm, and I think, like, 99% of the art that... I, I get from these guys and they're all just incredibly talented. I'm just like, it's perfect. You know, this is great. Um, and then once in a while I have something where, uh, you know, I'll come back and say, Oh, maybe we can tweak this a little bit. But for the most part, their artistic vision is like, they, they get it. They get what I'm trying to do and they just make it even better. Nice. And would you say that the artistic styling of any individual character or even any of their moves is either altered or influenced by then the animation of those moves? Because everything kind of has its own animations to go with it. Do you ever find that there are limitations on what you can achieve graphically because you're either uh, limited or directed more by movement? Yeah, that's that's the that's the real tricky part with pixel art, um, and th- there's a reason why a lot of games moved moved past pixel art, not just because of the technology, but because it, it's so time consuming. Like every, you know, if you, if you have a 3D model, you can just turn the model around, and that's it. With pixel art, um, in order to do, for example, one thing that people request, they say, "Oh, can you make like the." different weapons appear on the character, but you have to draw every single weapon on the character from every direction, every frame of that. 
And so there's some concessions that had to be made. Like we want it, we want the game to, to feel fluid in terms of the animations and really to have good, um, we don't want it to feel laggy. It has to feel responsive. So when you move, the animation should be fast. When you attack, it should be a uh, you know, short animation that, that flows nicely into uh, the enemy's hit animation. So um, that it was essential because you should be able to kind of play as slow or as fast as you want. Uh, I, I think having really long animation times, that's like a pet peeve of mine. Um, so you, you mentioned Golden Sun. I think it's a great game, but I remember uh, when I first played them, I was like, oh, man, it's like... Some of the things just take too long. In that game. Like the uh, the summoning animations. <laughs> that was my yeah. favorite part of the game. <laughs> great. I they would intentionally let every summoning Im- uh, animation play out every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my favorite things about that game. But I can understand how for many other players, that's not what they're there for. And it's just cutting into their gameplay time. For me, it was a huge plus. For everyone else, maybe not so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know it definitely the the preferences. I, I think at some point we might even do like an animation scaling uh, slider or something. So if people want like come on like fast get to the next action speed runs, they can do that. But yeah, basically the way the way we approach the animations is you know how can we get su- something that feels as, as fluid as possible and that reacts fluidly in the sort of the budget and the time that we have. So th- one of the concessions is that you know we can't maybe do we can only do one. Uh, sort of look for the characters for now. Um, so in this case, it's it's a woman with red hair, and that's that's like the look. Uh, we might have some kind of palette shifting, maybe because that's a little bit easier. But people are saying, oh, well, can we have like different heights? Different? Can we have like a male character? Can we do different hairstyles? And it's just like, oh well, no, we can't really do that right now. Um, other other a lot of other roguelikes have very simple graphics uh, in a way that's sort of like the hallmark is the ASCII, like just the at sign, and that's your character. And even the graphical ones, a lot of them just don't have any animation at all, or they have like very, very simple animation. Or they go the route of one character, one look, but a lot of animations for that one look. So like every weapon, every spell has its own thing. And that's fine too, but I guess one of my favorite parts of games like Final Fantasy V and Tactics, um, even even some later ones like like Final Fantasy X too, um, which is, yeah, I know that one's a little divisive among uh, the Final Fantasy. You could argue but... the best of the Final Fantasy series. I'm just kidding. No <laughs> one's going to argue that point. <laughs> Not any person will argue that. <laughs> it, but it's like you know, one one of the cool parts is you, you you get into a new job or new class or whatever, and you get this like it's a totally different look. And I think that's cool. So I thought I'd rather have more jobs, more classes, and, and that lets us do cool outfits and poses. Uh, rather than do like one character, but a million animations for that one character. I don't know. So that was a choice that we went with. Not everybody likes it, but it's just, you know, when you have one person doing all the animations, it's just not possible to right. do everything. Yeah, don't want to stretch, stretch yourself too thin for sure. Exactly. So when you started this whole project, of course, it was primarily funded on Kickstarter, I believe. So uh, as one of the earlier backers, I also got the notification when you exceeded your goal. So would you say that your personal goals for the game also scaled up when you realized you had exceeded your funding limit? Or would you say that you tended to stick a little bit more with the original plan? simply by adding more to it in terms of detailing and amount of time put into certain aspects? I think we've all seen Kickstarters that kind of like bit off more than they could chew. Yeah. And just as of a few days ago and probably about a week ago by the time this this comes out, 
um, there was a big story about uh, unsung hero. I forget yeah. the exact unsung yeah, some unsung that. story. Um, but that game, I think it raised like six hundred sixty thousand dollars. And wow, yeah, it was supposed to be a successor to Final Fantasy Tactics, and they had some of the same people involved. And essentially, after years of nothing happening, they handed it off to a new team. The new team said, we're going to do the best we can, but we have to start from scratch. Wow. And so I, I've seen enough of that kind of thing. Um, and I've done some other Kickstarters that are not involved with games, but, but music. And I've seen that, I mean, you really need to have your scope in check. And I absolutely did not want to make the mistake of promising too much, having physical rewards take over, expanding the scope. Um, so I, I really... Even when it went over the goal, I was thinking, okay, what can we do that doesn't require more time from me because I'm doing all the code, and ultimately, at the end of the day, the code is what needs to be done <laughs> to ship the game. You can have all the art in the world, but if you don't have the code, it doesn't matter. So right. you know, the stuff that we did, like more animations, more writing for the game, remix soundtrack, those are all things that could be done in parallel, and that was that's where I wanted it to be. Okay, awesome. So in terms of the actual development of the game, you know, I don't think that you came into this with perhaps a lot of experience with coding. So where did all of that knowledge come from? I mean, do you have someone helping you with it or are you just learning as you go? I'd say that, you know, I, I came into it with the equivalent of if you just took a course in like computer science, like a one term college course, maybe. So I kind of knew the basics of, you know, if then else kind of code and like a loop and a variable, sort of the really basic stuff. Like you read the first chapter of a book. So I wasn't coming at it like what's programming, but um, you're right. There's an enormous amount to learn. Uh, I, I selected unity to use as the basis for the game. So it's not totally from scratch, but there's still a ton of stuff to do. Like, okay, well, what is, how do you do a map on the screen? How do you get a character on the screen? How do you animate it? So um, one of my big mentors on this project um, is uh, his name is Jim Shepard, and he's a, another game developer uh, who previously worked on some really big stuff like uh, Quake 4 and Doom 3, oh, Borderlands, wow. um, and then he kind of transitioned from the AAA stuff into doing indie games, and he made a roguelike, much, much like the one I'm making, uh, but def definitely a very different tone, very different graphical style called Dungeon Mans, and I did the music for that game. That's how I met him. Uh, and we, we became good friends, uh, just hit it off, like a lot of the same interests and everything. So when I said to him, you know, I really want to learn how to, how to do this, I, I, I flew out to Seattle where he lives. We were hanging out, and he basically gave me this, this sort of boot camp on, okay, let's get a character on the screen. Let's animate it. Like, let's, let's figure that out. That's awesome. And yeah, that's amazing. The, sort of the follow-up questions that I had about the process. He, uh, he's always been there as, as a, as a mentor. And over time I've needed less and less help, obviously, uh, as I grasped more and more of the, the basics, but, um, yeah, he's, he's been, uh, immensely helpful. But other than that, I mean, there's, there's so many things that come up when you're making a game, everything from how do I render the map properly? So it's like pixel perfect. So the pixels don't stretch and it has their aspect ratio. Uh, you know, how do I make the game so I can be localized? So a lot of that stuff, it's, it's trial and error. It's like reading forums. And uh, I attribute my, my hard-headedness. Like I get to a problem, I just don't give up. I just hit my head against it until I get past it. So that's what's enabled me to, to move through all my uh, inexperience, ultimately. 
Yeah, that's obviously, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine making my own game. (laughs) So uh, clearly you do have to have a lot of motivation, a lot of drive, and a lot of stubbornness to not just give up and leave (laughs) it by the wayside. Uh, So what would you say for you personally is the biggest challenge you've run into with the development of the game? Boy, the single, uh, it's probably the user interface stuff. That's probably the hardest thing. And not just UI, but control. Um, the It's very easy to make a, I shouldn't say very easy, let me rephrase that. It is easier to make a game where you know exactly the screen that people are going to be playing on, the computer they're going to be playing oh, it on. So I can imagine course. if you're developing for a, a specific console and you could say, yes, it's a Switch. I know the aspect ratio. I know the hardware and that's it. But so many of the things I've had to deal with are related to, uh, you know, people report a bug and I can't figure out what's causing it. And they're like, oh, well, I use the controller for that. Oh, I was just using the mouse. I was just using the keyboard. And, you know, going back to the accessibility of it, I want the game to be totally playable with just keyboard. You never have to touch the mouse or just mouse. You never have to touch the keyboard or just controller or a combination of all three. And they all have to work seamlessly. So if you go from keyboard and then you plug in a controller while the game's running and navigate the same menu you were just on, that stuff is incredibly challenging to do. And it's so time consuming. My code for the UI alone is like three times the size, I think of the, of the code that like procedurally generates all the maps and everything. Wow. It's just crazy. Wow, that's crazy. So that's definitely the hardest part. Yeah, that sounds borderline impossible for someone that doesn't really have any hands-on experience with that. So you A lot of banging my head against the wall, that's for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit that you sometimes go to online forums. So do, do you have like a community that you're able to tap into or like a network of resources that you can go to to get help when you encounter problems that you might not be able to fix on your own? It's a little hit or miss, uh, you know, because sometimes you run into a problem that's that other people have run into, like, um, you know, with pixel-based games and Unity. Uh, one of the big things, and you actually see this in a lot of, like, the retro hardware, like you've ever seen the um, uh, things like the Retron 5 or the, you know, the NES Classic, anything that's sort of emulating the look of an old game. There's this question of if you have an HD display and you have a certain number of pixels, how do you know... Uh, do you stretch the pixels? Do you like have bars on the side of the screen? Like, what do you do? Um, that question has been asked and answered many times. So I've been able to refer to discussions on the Unity forums, for example, and that's fine. Other questions are a little more obscure, or they're related to these very, very specific things, like proceed. How do you procedurally generate a a dungeon and have have it be have it make sense? Have it you know be interesting? Uh, and those questions, there's um, there's a couple. Uh, Discord servers. One of them is called Game Dev League, and there's chats there for like Unity and art and procedural generation. And then there's another one that's just for roguelikes, uh, called I, I think just roguelikes. Um, that is from the Reddit community for for uh, people that enjoy roguelikes. And so that's the place where if you know you want to know how do I create a cool dungeon, how do I create a cave, uh, what are some resources? And there's tons of people that are willing to just geek out about that all day. Because a lot of people de- developing um, dungeon crawlers, uh, a lot of people just do it for fun. They just release them for free, and they're happy to talk about it. They're happy to share their experiences. Yeah, that's really amazing. So in terms of the rest of your small team, where did you find the artists that you work with on your project? Did you already know them, or did you just reach out to the community and say, hey, I need a couple of artists for this project. Want to join up? 
the the guy that uh, Andrew lures uh, or OA, he's the guy that does the environment and the UI art. And the environment art, in a way, is is uh, one of the most important things because as soon as you load the game, I think the town that you start out in is it's just gorgeous and it's like a thousand by a thousand pixels hand drawn. Oh, wow. It just looks so good. Yeah. That, <laughs> I think when you play a game like Secret of Mana and you're just struck by how lovely the trees and the water look, I mean, there's something to be said, like good pixel art is timeless. So um, he is a friend of mine. And even before this this project, you know, we, we were good friends from the uh, video game remixing community, uh, Overclock Remix. And it just turns out that he's like a badass artist also, in addition to being an, an awesome musician. So I kind of said, hey, would you be interested in, in working on this? I don't know where it's going to go. Um, I'm going to work hard on it. I, I guarantee that I'm going to keep working on it. Do you want to have a hand in it? So he's been there since pretty early on. And then the uh, the other two guys, the character artist, uh, Fervor, um, I actually just posted in a game development forum, and I'm like, hey, I need an artist. And I went through about 40 portfolios, and his, um, I, I paid some people to do like demo sprites, and his, he just, he got it. He got the style. Yeah. And he's been just, he's like, he's so awesome to work with. So he's, he's not like a personal friend. I've never met him before. Um, I don't even know where he lives, but <laughs> he, he, he totally, he totally gets it. Like we go back and forth. He's like on the same wavelength on everything. And then the third guy, uh, worked on dungeon man's doing oh, artwork. Oh, cool. And so uh, Jim, the developer for that said, you talk to this guy if you need items. <laughs> he's been doing all this delicious, delicious, uh, pixel art food and, and swords <laughs> and potions. And it just looks great. I think, oh no, go ahead. Oh, so, so one thing that's always interested me about making these bigger RPG games and talking about the items and things like that is not only coming up with the items themselves and what they do and what role they are, but you know, RPGs, especially a, a game like Tang, like Tangle Deep, that is primarily text-based and how it gets its story and information across. How daunting of a task is it to think of all the like witty one-liners or something or descriptors <laughs> for all those items? Because that, in, uh, aside from all of the coding and everything that you have to do, that of itself seems like a daunting yeah. task and one that boggles my mind that yeah. it's even possible. Oh, it's been uh, it, it's been interesting. Um, the so Jim actually has been helping with some of the some of the writing uh, for the game. We I, I sort of had this concept in mind for the background of it and. You know why are why are we going into a dungeon? Who is this character? What why did why does everybody look like an animal? Um, or have animal kind of characteristics except mm-hmm. the main character. So uh, even though it kind of was gameplay first and then sort of thinking of a story for it, um, so the what we wanted to try to do with how we were presenting it is rather than uh, have a lot of cutscenes and have a lot of you know NPC dialogue and like go here trigger this quest go there which, uh, you know, again, that's sort of like a hallmark of JRPGs, but it doesn't necessarily work for a game that is more about exploration and, you know, finding cool uh, random treasure in a dungeon and, like, interesting encounters. And the stories should be just as much about uh, what what can happen. You know, you go into this weird area and you, there's a giant treasure chest and, like, oh, I opened up the chest and, like, I got garbage out of it. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, the, the stories are, are what happen in the game in terms of the gameplay. That's just as important. Um, so what we wanted to try to do and, and what we're still working on, so this is one of the big things that is definitely still in progress is telling the story from the perspective of the main character, very first person. Uh, so all the item flavor text is written as if she was writing in a journal and you're reading like her journal entry for this thing. Awesome. Like what, it, how does it relate to her, uh, life in the game? What can we, what can we tell about the world 
uh, from this particular item? Is, it, is there like a memory associated with this thing or this material? Is there, uh, you know, something about like where it came from? So I thought that was kind of an interesting approach to it. And to keep it tight enough so that you're not reading like a Mass Effect level codex for every <laughs> item, but like just a sentence or two that that's, um, you know, well crafted. So Jim has been a, a big driving force in, in coming up with that idea and, and getting the text in. Nice. That's a really that's a really cool way of going about it too. Because yeah, I figure it. And most RPGs that I play, like you're right, like the Mass Effect Codex, it is always taken from somebody else wrote this down, and you're just discovering it. But I, I do like it more from the first person. I like that touch of the first person discovering it and writing her own thoughts about it in her journal. It's really cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. So we've addressed some of the bigger challenges of developing your own game. Uh, what would you say the most fun part of this whole development process has been for you? Boy, well, I mean, in general, the, the, the fun part is just the, there's a certain level of challenge versus, uh, like, there's challenge and there's frustration. So, and there's a certain, like, line in between there where it's engaging, trying to solve a problem, uh, coming up with a solution, and then seeing that solution work and do something cool in the game, and then seeing people react to that. So the process can, at this point, now that there's thousands of people playing the game, I can get people's reaction to that very fast. I can put in a new skill or something uh, on stream, uh, like a new, we, we put in these uh, things where originally there was just the, the skills you could learn were from the character classes. But then we said you can also learn skills related to different weapon types. If you prefer bow or spear, whatever, you can specialize. So I did a lot of that stuff actually live on stream and then I got in the game like two days later. Uh, I re- rather, I released it. And that is just very satisfying. Um, because it's a challenge, you think, well, okay, how, you know, what kind of masteries would be cool? What would people like to see? Figuring out how to do it and then doing it and without too much difficulty. Um, the, the stuff that, when it gets frustrating, is like you have a feature or you have a bug and you're spending like a week trying to fix it. So there's a, there's a line there. It can't be too easy. It can't be too hard. But it's very rewarding when, when you come up with a good solution to a problem, you release it, and people are like, wow, this is cool. I love this. Nice. And so you've made music for some other video games and you've done remixes of other soundtracks. Uh, would you say that you really like the work that you've done so far for Tangled Deep? Because from what I've heard, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you having fun making the OST for this game? This is pretty much my dream project uh, in terms of music. Like, um, the, Previously, my dream project was working on the uh, Dungeon Man soundtrack because that had some of the same influences uh, we were going for this sort of retro sound. There's there there is a difference between like retro and then pure chip tune, where you're just using like NES and, and Game Boy type sounds. So it's, it's later than that. But here, I really get to channel the the games that I grew up with and that I've listened to and that are just ingrained in my mind. Like um, you know specifically Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy four, five, and six, and uh, Luffy it's two, Terranigma, Secret of Mana. So that that pantheon of like the very best SNES RPGs, I get to use the same kind of sounds, the same kind of approach to melody and harmony. But you know, hopefully, I, I don't I don't think I've done anything that's like super derivative either, where it just sounds like it's a copy of something. Um, I want to evoke the same feeling and the same atmosphere without, you know, it's sort of like new new but familiar. That that's sort of the goal. Where it's like this is really cool. It's like a new Super Nintendo soundtrack came out. Um, so I'm just having an absolute blast with that. Nice. Yeah, awesome. 
So remind everybody, when is Tangle Deep currently scheduled to launch officially? Well, I will, I will say this. The original plan that I said in the Kickstarter was in November or December of this year. And what I have been advised since then, uh, as the game has come out in early access, people have been saying to me, you do not want to release in November or December. It's just going to get steamrolled by massive game releases. Biggest publishers. Stuff. Right. So my thinking is, and obviously, you know, I've, I've shared this with some people. And, um, you know, as, when I make a final decision, I'll post about it. I'll, as I'll say, uh, I think January, like early January, makes a lot more sense. Um, and it's not really delaying the game exactly because it's playable now on early access and it's you're going to keep getting all the updates. So in a way, uh, if version 1.0 would have been in November and now we're calling January version 1.0, it's like if we had released in November, January would be version like 1.5. <laughs> so yeah. it just means the final release is going to be even better, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about timing yeah, in terms of sure. launch and competing sales. Those are the kinds of marketing things that you might not think about unless somebody else does happen to bring it up to you. I certainly didn't. <laughs> Which is good that somebody was there to do yeah, that. Because, exactly. I mean, because yeah, definitely from what, from what I've played, especially like I'm really into the game and the story. It, I do like it's, it's older retro feel, but then also those newer mechanics that I, that, uh, that I just talked about before with like the turn base and all that is created so far a very fun gaming experience that I really want to play more of. So, so, and I mean, you know, so everybody needs to play more of it too, because like, it's, it's great. It's fun, you know, and, and I think it's a really, it'll be a really fun experience for everybody. That's, that's the, that's the dream. Uh, I think another thing that releasing a little later will help with is, uh, localizing the game. That's, that's pretty important to me. Uh, I would love to have it in, at a minimum, like French and German and Japanese, uh, those markets in particular, a lot of a lot of RPG lovers there, right? Um, and maybe more. So, having that extra time um, would enable us to have it launch in all those languages, and maybe cross my fingers, if we can get it on Switch, also that would be <sighs> that'd be cool. amazing. That'd yes. be nice. that's a real big goal of mine. I would like to put in my two cents and request that. <laughs> I will yeah. say, though, that I am very pleased that it's coming to Mac right out the gate. Because yes. most of it doesn't come to Mac, yes. or it takes a very long time. And I've been a Mac gamer for all forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. That's yeah. that's important to me. You know, PC, uh, or when I say PC, I mean like any any kind of desktop or, or laptop computer. I, say, yeah. I really want to do PC, Mac, Linux, just right out the gate. Um, so I was like, to me, a given, it has to, it has to be that nice. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we Mac users appreciate it. We do. Cause there's a, there's <laughs> we a never small, get the good a, games, <laughs> yeah, small percentage of games that actually come to us. So we're happy when they do. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, definitely, I want, I want to get, get it to the widest audience possible. I mean, for me, it's really, uh, I, I don't want it to sound like any cliche, but it really is about making the best game possible and having the most people enjoy it. It's not really about the money. Um, for me that I do in a sense have a day job, you know, I do stuff with music, I do stuff right. with music software. Uh, so it's, it's more important to me that the game just be out and enjoyed by lots of people. Yeah. So in terms of your musical career, you know, we're huge fans of all types of music and especially video game soundtracks. Uh, are there any other projects that you, that like you mentioned that your project right now is really kind of your dream come to life, but are there any long running series or other video games that you've always really wanted to contribute to uh, that you were maybe hoping to be able to contribute to in the future? Yeah, that's a, that's, it's interesting, I guess, because, I guess I said sort of like, ah, I'm just going to make my own game. <laughs> uh, 
it was really cool getting to work on Soul Calibur Five. That was something where I thought that series was great, and I got to contribute to that. And I was like, okay, cross that off the list. Um, I, I would love to at some point do music for, uh, so like anything by by Square, just because, and anything new by Square, because I, I think that some of their newer stuff has a really interesting style. It's very different. Um, I, I don't think you could listen to, you know, Final Fantasy Thirteen. And then listen to six and say like, oh, it's just more Final Fantasy music. It's like yeah. very, very different. It's because it's different composers. So I would love to, you know, look at like any of their newer games and then try apply my own style, which I, I think, insofar as what I've been doing with with sort of the, the Zircon name, I've really enjoyed going a little bit more in that sort of like jazzier, more atmospheric direction lately. Like the last album I did, Getaway, in in 2015. Um, had a lot of that kind of like jazz and funk mixed with electronic dance music elements. So that would be, that would be awesome to do. Definitely a, a Final Fantasy thing. I'm, I'm a lot less interested in sort of the big orchestral stuff. Um, I, I have, I've done that for a bunch of projects, but like, I, I feel like I've gotten to do the big epic orchestral stuff. And I'm just not, I don't care for it as much uh, now as maybe I, I, I used to like once, once you get through it and you see it, it's very difficult. Like you have to get, uh, for a game like Soul Calibur, you know, it's like live orchestra, live choir, and you got to hear all the sheet music and everything like that. And some people live and breathe that, and that's fine, and I can appreciate it. But in terms of making it, it's a lot more challenging, and you have to go through more steps to get to the final pro- the final product. Whereas I, I love the ability to just sit down at my keyboard in my studio and, like, produce something right there. Nice. And that's a big difference, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and, and I was been listening in the, in the last few days because I – you know, like Mogan said, she's been listening to your music for years, and she introduced me to your music as also, well. Also, quick so. timeout: Getaway was amazing. There are so <laughs> many good songs <laughs> from Getaway. I listen to Firecracker and Level Bounce on repeat all the time. Those are two great oh, tracks. Awesome. Okay, I, shit this out. I don't know if I've heard those yet, but yeah. So in this in the last Thank week you. or so, uh, I've been listening to a lot more of your stuff, and man, it is excellent music to just have on as I I do video editing as my. Uh, as my career. And so like when I edit and stuff like that, it's the perfect accompaniment. And I, and I've really enjoyed what I've listened to so far. There's only Thank so you. much orchestra. Any one person can take That's before true. they get a little bit bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely a trend, uh, you know, in everybody has their opinion on this again. And I, I think that there's this, a sense, I think, especially among kind of like retro video game music fans, when I say retro, I mean like, you know, 16 bit sort of in before, <laughs> that a lot of more modern music is not as melodic and it's a little bit more like eh, samey maybe because it's so much of it is orchestral for the big budget projects. Right. And I think that's only true if you look at a certain subset of games, but it's definitely true that in that certain subset of games, like a, a lot of the AAA um, action adventure RPG stuff, it's true. The palette does tend to converge on that sort of thing. But then on the other hand, you have stuff like, Stardew Valley and Undertale, those are hugely successful games. And and Doom, for example, I mean, that really bucked the trend. Oh, um, I love the Doom soundtrack. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I know the guy that, that wrote music for Doom, and the, the, the funny thing about that, and this is like a, a little bit of trivia, he actually started uh, out as a sort of a, a fan remixer. You can go on Overclock Remix, and you can listen to a remix he did of Doom, like, <laughs> 10 years ago. That's awesome. That's way, amazing. way before he was doing the actual soundtracks like Wolfenstein and Doom and things like that. Oh, wow. So that's just awesome. And so and that, and that guy came up with such a unique and creative thing 
Um, in fact, I would recommend to anybody, absolutely anybody, whether you're a musician or not, he did a GDC talk about uh, behind the music of Doom, and he talks about the creative process for it. Um, and some of it's technical, but he talks about how in order to do a sound that nobody had ever heard before, he basically had to throw out everything he, he used to do for his workflow and come up with something totally new. And that just really resonated with me. Like, man, I would love to do that. I would love to do a project um, where I get to do something a totally new style, you know, synthesize new genres and sounds, and not just be like, we want it like epic orchestra. Right, right. <laughs> Man, yeah. Yeah, Jared is a huge fan of the Doom soundtrack. He loves it. I gotta go watch that speed, the talk. Yeah, so we don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, would you have any final words for the viewers about Tangle Deep? I think uh, the one of the one of the things I'd want to say is that um, there's just there's so much more to come. I mean, if you're if you're listening to this now uh, in in early August 2017, um, the game as it is now, I'm very happy with it. I'm very proud of it. But there's so much more that I want to do. Um, there's one one of the biggest things is that I want to increase the uh, the simulation elements of it. I think, it's, especially after seeing sort of how well Stardew Valley has done. I mean, I love in classic RPGs, anytime you're like, oh, you get to build up a town or something, and all these little like side things, like, oh, you go fishing for two hours. That stuff is, is it's like heartwarming. I love it. Um, and right now we have stuff like you can plant trees and you can capture monsters. So, I mean, I definitely want it to be like, by the time the game is out, you're like breeding monsters together. You've got monster pets. That, you oh, know, they I have want like monster pets. Yes. I want to get to that point. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean that I really, I have so many plans for the game and uh, basically, you know, if, if you like it now, there's so much more to come. If you, if you don't like it now, if you feel like it needs more, then again, there's so much more to come. So that's like the main thing I want to say. That's amazing. So if uh, if anybody doesn't currently have a beta key, are they able to play it right now through any other means? Can they still get in on that, or did you have to be kind of an early adopter? You can you can pick up the game right now on Steam. It is available in early access. Um, if you just search for Tangle Leap on Steam, you'll see it. It's also on uh, GOG.com, which oh. is like, if you don't like Steam for whatever reason, you can pick it up on there. It's like DRM-free. Like and those are both thing. getting updated at an unsustainable pace. I've been updating <laughs> every day. Actually, it's I bad. was really I, alarmed. I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can keep up with it every day. Maybe yeah. I'll go to once a week at some point. But for now, I'm just, you know, it, it's exhilarating getting to see people's feedback and then just like, oh, I want to fix that. Oh, I should put that in the game. Like, that. that's a good <laughs> idea. So... That's what it's been like. But yeah, you can you can still pick it up on Steam and GOG and, and you'll get the updates regularly. Yeah, I was amazed when I booted up the beta the other day, like on August 2nd, and it said version update August 2nd on the beta. And I was like, holy yep, crap. Yep. That he's build really, went out at like 1.30 a.m. Yeah. It's like he's really putting in overtime. Well, uh, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a joy talking with you about this product. Uh, yeah, and we're absolutely. really looking forward to it when yeah. it does eventually launch. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, before we do go, we do have to give the quick song hint for this week. It is uh, I, I, Matey. So there it is. I, I, Matey is a song contest for this week. So, uh, so the contest goes live Wednesday, 9 a.m., the day after this episode goes live. First person to correctly guess the song when we post on our Facebook or Twitter page or in the comments of this YouTube video will be able to send us a song and hint for a future episode. 
But Andrew, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's been great to learn about Tangle Deep and your experience with uh, building the game and composing music for games like you've done for years. So it was a really, really great and insightful conversation. So I yeah. really enjoyed having you on. Thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And so, again, the game is Tangle Deep. It's developed by Andrew Versa, a.k.a. Zircon. So check out the game. Check out his music. And uh, this concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. Until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined to my right by Rachel Mogan. Sayonara. And our special guest, Andrew Versa. Thanks again, Andrew. Thank you. Stick around for the song. We'll see you all next time.